and welcome to Together in Christ, the radio ministry of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. We would love to have you join us for worship today. Our Bible studies begin at 9 a.m. for all ages, followed by a service at 10.30 a.m., and then our evening discipleship service at 6.30 p.m. We are located at 14260 South Dixie Highway in Monroe, Michigan. Our phone number is 734-241-6860. You can also find more on our website, www.mmbconline.org. Here is a message from our family pastor candidate, Scott Slater. Father, we just sang that I will glory in my Redeemer. Lord, there is one person here today that deserves glory, and that's you. So God, would you receive it today? In Jesus' name, amen. So if you would, go ahead. I've been given a task today to share from God's word with you, to lead you in this time of reading from it, of learning from it, of preaching. And so if you would please open in your Bible to the book of Luke, chapter 12. We're gonna be at the very end of the book of Luke. I'm sorry, at the end of Luke, chapter 12, starting in verse 54. While you're turning there, I'll just share a little bit. Some of you that were here last night at the meet and greet, you were able to see kind of like my kids running around. They were getting a little cranky. They had a tough time. It's, it's been a rough weekend for us so far just because of the travel up here and they didn't really sleep. And on a Friday night, they didn't really get to sleep until about one, one o'clock in the morning. And so yesterday was a little bit of a rough day and uh, they were going nuts. We were tired. They were tired. And so it was a little tough. But one of the things that my wife, Alicia, and I are constantly hearing at this stage of our life is that the difficulties we're having in parenting is we have an almost three-year-old and an almost one-year-old, and all of you will know what I'm probably about to say, that, yeah, these times are tough, and they're hard, and they make you go crazy, and you're ready for this time to be over. But what does everybody tell you? They say, enjoy these years while you have them. Right? They say, enjoy this time because one day your chance will be gone. And it's hard to listen to that sometimes, <laughs> right? You know that. But there's other stages of life where people are telling you that too. And, but that always seems to be kind of what the message is, is that, listen, time is ticking away. Tick, 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 tick. So enjoy the time while you have it. And I think that reminder that my family is receiving so often is very much the reminder that Jesus is bringing to this crowd of people that isn't before him today. Time is ticking away and you don't have much longer. And so if you would please look with me at Luke 12, verse 54. Jesus also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? 
to give you a little bit of context about what's going on here in the book of Luke at this stage, because we're just kind of jumping in right in the middle, Jesus at this point has been fairly popular. He's gained quite a following. He has quite a ministry. He has his inner core, but at the very beginning of Luke chapter 12 in verse one, it says this, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, this is a crowd of thousands and thousands of people that have come to hear Jesus. People know who he is. They've heard his teaching. They want more of him. And so it's this mixed audience where most of chapter 12, he's actually been talking to his disciples, preparing them for the time to come. But here in verse 54, he he stops that and he turns to the crowd and he says, listen, crowd, I have something that you need to hear today. This is what you need to hear. And so he says this to the crowds. This crowd's gathered because Jesus has been wildly popular. Why? Because he, when he started his public ministry, it wasn't just because he came teaching. He wasn't just a good speaker. He couldn't just hold people's attention. He came performing miracles. He did all kinds of things. Jesus, at this point in his ministry, has been healing lepers. He's been fixing hands. He's been getting rid of people's fevers. He's been giving mobility to paralytics. He's either been exercising demons out of people. And just a few chapters ago, in chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, you don't need to turn there, but Jesus actually had taken an opportunity and raised a widow's son from the dead. And that gained him quite a bit of popularity. So people were coming to listen to what this man had to say. They were coming to see what he could do. And it just so happens that actually if you do want to turn to Luke chapter 7, you can. It's just a few pages over from where we are. After Jesus had raised this widow's son from the dead, you, you would remember and maybe be familiar if you've been to church any length of time in your life of a man named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had kind of introduced Jesus' public ministry by baptizing him and you know, witnessing to who he is, his identity, But there came a point in time when John was a little concerned. He wasn't so sure. He knew who Jesus was, and he wanted to check. And so what John did, he wasn't able to come himself, so he sent some of his own disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus a question and say, Jesus, are you the one who we are to expect to come, or should we be waiting for another? Because things aren't exactly happening the way I would expect them to. So I just want to check. And Jesus' response to John In Luke 7, starting in verse 22, if you want to look at that with me, in verse 22, his response is a little interesting. In verse 22, it says, And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You might think that's not a very direct answer on Jesus' part. You might be thinking, you know, sometimes you ask somebody a question and they go into this long spiel about whatever and you're like, yeah, I was looking for a yes or no. (laughs) But uh, that, you know, Jesus didn't exactly give that, but that's what he said. And you might think that's not a very direct answer, but you'd be wrong. What Jesus was saying to John is he was actually pointing back to something that a prophet in the Old Testament had once said the prophet Isaiah, who was prophesying to 
God's people, telling them that, listen, because of your sin, you are going to be conquered, and you're going to be taken into exile, and you are going to suffer under the hands of a foreign ruler, but... But one day there is a time when you will be led back into God's promised land and there will be a new kingdom and there will be a new people of God and there will be a new ruler over God's people and that time will be glorious. Listen to how Isaiah describes that time that is coming. You find places like Isaiah 29, verse 18 and 19. It says, in that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book. And out of their gloom, the darkness of the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 35, five through six, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Isaiah 61.1 says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. And lastly, Isaiah 26.19, your dead shall live Their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in dust, awake and sing for joy. Your dew is a dew of light and the earth will give birth to the dead. Sound familiar? Does that sound like Jesus' answer to John? John, you wanna know who I am? John, listen to what Isaiah said. The deaf will hear, the blind will see, the dead will be raised, the lame will walk. He's talking about a new kingdom that's coming. John, he's talking about me. Look at what I'm doing. This is me. That's Jesus' message of who I am. But there's a problem. Even though Jesus comes performing all of these signs, even though Jesus comes with this teaching, attesting to his identity, attesting to who he is, he is the Holy One, the chosen of God to redeem the world from sin and death, there are still these people in this crowd that refuse to acknowledge who he is, that refuse to cease to just be part of the crowd and to become part of his disciples, to follow him, to make a personal decision that this isn't just some interesting man, this is my man. This isn't just some Lord, this isn't just some prophet, this is my Lord, this is my savior. There are still those that even though they are smart enough to see that if there's a cloud in the west that's, ri- that's rising over the Mediterranean Sea, that's what he's talking about there. If I can see a cloud rising over the Mediterranean Sea, I know it's gonna blow inland and it's gonna rain. People who are smart enough to know that if there's a wind blowing from the south where the Sinai Desert is, hot weather's coming because it's coming from a desert. Yet you see these signs, yet you've heard my teaching, yet you know the Old Testament and the prophets, yet you choose to ignore who I am. You are hypocrites, you are fools. I know that in a church like this, that's this size with this many people in it, I've already met some of you, I know that some of you are faithful followers of the Lord. You've been following him for decades, for years, 
or maybe you've recently just come to know God. I met some of you last night that told me it's only really recently that you've come to know him. Less than 10 years ago, maybe, or within the last five years, and it's amazingly encouraging to me. I also know that if Monroe Missionary Baptist Church is anything like your average church, there are those of you who sit here as part of this crowd, and that's all you are. You're part of a crowd. I don't know why you're here. Maybe you heard there was some hillbilly from Kentucky coming. I don't know why you're here. Maybe your parents make you come. I don't know why you're here. Maybe your mom invited you and she's been bugging the heck out of you. And you're like, fine, I'll come. But I'm gonna sit in the back and I'm gonna leave as soon as it's over. And I don't know why you might not have made a decision to not just be part of the crowd. Because I know, I've been listening to the sermons here too, you know. Like I know some of you said you've been listening to my sermons. I've been listening to your sermons too. And I know that you've been hearing the gospel. That's what we've, this new series through Galatians is all about, clarifying the gospel, making sure you get the gospel right. And I've been hearing that. And so I don't know why your reason is that you have not yet chosen to not just be part of the crowd, but to actually follow Christ. For this to actually be your decision, not your parents' decision, not your family's decision, yours. It might be because you're a little nervous and embarrassed and you don't wanna make that public decision. You've seen what happens when people choose to follow Jesus. They gotta go up there and they've gotta go underwater and they've gotta come back and, and they've gotta you know, give testimony before the church that Jesus has saved them from their sin and you're just not a crowd person and you just don't like that. Or maybe it's because you're scared about what other people are gonna say. Maybe you were raised in some other religious tradition and your family will ostracize you if you actually make a decision to follow Jesus and become part of maybe a Baptist church. Or maybe it's because you're, you're just not sure if this whole Jesus thing is real. And honestly, if you're just being truthful, you're just not convinced yet. I just wanna let you know, that's okay. That's okay that you're not convinced yet. You need to ask some questions. You need to verify what the truth is. And so please, ask your questions. I'd love to walk with you through those. I'd love to talk to you about those things. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's because you're more, a little more focused right now in your life on other things like finishing school or trying to get that scholarship to go to college. Or maybe you're trying to just build your career right now and make sure that you have a firm foundation for your family. Or maybe you're just trying, maybe you're working hard to get to that place of retirement where you say, I'll have a ton of free time then, I'll give it to God then. And you're saying, not right now, later. Jesus is giving you a warning today. There might not be a later. He's telling us the truth. Your time is ticking away. And whatever reason you may have, my prayer for you today is that you would wake up to the reality. Jesus then walks this crowd through to wake them up to the reality of where they sit before God. And he walks them through this hypothetical scenario to lead them to a place where they can see the truth. And so if you would, continue with me 
In chapter 12, we're at verse 57 now. It says this, and why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you've paid the very last penny. The hypothetical scenario that Jesus presents to this crowd that's listening to him right now is the scenario of a man who is guilty of a crime being taken before the magistrate to be judged for what he's done. He stands guilty, not just accused, guilty of what he's doing. And we know from the context, most likely what he's talking about based on what he says at the very end that you will not be let out of prison until you've paid the very last penny is that this man is not just guilty of a crime, he is actually a debtor that has failed to pay back the debts that he owes. And the judgment he is facing, walking to the magistrate with the one whom he owes money to, we're assuming, the penalty is something called debtor's prison. Now, in our day and age, if you don't return a library book, it's a slap on the hand, right? If you don't pay your credit card in time, like we all say we do, but sometimes we miss it, let's be honest. It's a, you know, like a fee that you get, you charge interest, it's like a mosquito, it's annoying. Or sometimes if you have a lot of credit card debt, it's not just annoying, it's crushing. Or maybe if you're in a place where you are overwhelmed by your debt and you're having trouble paying your mortgage or your car payment, you're in a place where you're threatened to have your home taken away or your car taken away and the fear of that leads you to a place where you just don't know what to do because then you wouldn't be able to keep your kids safe. You wouldn't be able to take, go to work and earn an income to support your family. You wouldn't be able to do those things. And some terrible things can happen to you, right? But all the things that could happen to you today are nothing compared to what would be endured by this man who's being taken before this magistrate because he'd be thrown into debtor's prison regardless of the situation that his family's in. And he would never get out. The only way to be let out of debtor's prison is to pay your debts. There's no loan forgiveness program. The government's not gonna step in. Actually, the government's supporting this kind of thing. It was a very dangerous thing to not pay back your debts. Most likely, what you'd find in debtor's prison is that whoever the prisoners are, they would routinely be beaten by the guards in order to encourage the family to pay on their debt. But you think about the scenario he's in. He's probably the primary income earner of their family. The likelihood that he's actually going to pay back his debt and get out of prison is next to none. Most people never got out of debtor's prison. You would die in debtor's prison. That's why Jesus is saying, don't you think that as you were going on your way with this man accusing you that you would be trying to settle that debt because you're up against a death sentence here? The answer is obviously yes, you would. I think there are two things that if I could get you to walk away out of this room today fully understanding and being fully convinced of, it's this. We are debtors and we are running out of time. We are debtors and we are running out of time. I'm gonna say it one more time. We are debtors and we are running out of time. 
We all stand as this debtor does, being taken before God. All of our lives, I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how much wisdom and experience you have, all of us are on a trajectory towards the throne room of God. Well, one day we will stand before him and answer for the sins that we have committed. I've never met a person who's been willing to tell me that they're not a sinner. Everybody I've ever met has been willing to tell me that you've messed up somewhere along the lines. And if you don't think you have, let me break it to you, you have. Sorry, you have. And because of that, we will stand before God to give an honest account of how we measure up to his holy, perfect standard and we fall short. And because of that, we will be judged. We will be found guilty as this debtor is and we face an eternity in prison called hell. And it is a thousand times worse, a million times worse than what debtor's prison would be like. And I'm sorry, you will never get out until you've paid the very last penny. And the problem is you stand before God, not only a debtor, but completely bankrupt. No money to your name. So Jesus comes preaching this message. And if you remember part of what he said to John's disciples when they came, do you remember what he said there towards the very end? The the poor have the good news preached to them. What's the good news? The good news is that you are poor. You stand before God as a debtor, and you stand before God as bankrupt, not a penny to your name. But I am rich. I'm wealthy. I have all of the money you would ever need. And let me just tell you, he's not talking about money. He has all of the righteousness that you would ever need to stand before God to be completely acquitted of all that you've ever done wrong. That's the good news preached to the poor. Who's the poor? It's not the people that you see downtown. It's not the homeless walking around town. It's not those that can't afford a house to live in and have to rent. You are poor. We are poor because we lack the righteousness that we need to stand before God. And the good news is that Christ is rich. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says this, for even the son of man came not to serve came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know what the word ransom is? You know what that means? A ransom is a payment that is made to release someone else from bondage. So it could be like a prisoner of war. It could be slavery. It can even be debt. Jesus came to be a ransom for many. He is our ransom payment so that we no longer have to stand before God as debtors with nothing to offer. We still have nothing to offer, but someone else comes to offer on our behalf. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What are the wages that we have earned for ourselves? Death because of our sin. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that is offered to you. It's not just offered to you yesterday. It's not just offered to you next week. It's offered to you right now. Right now, you need to know that. That's important. 
because we are running out of time. And there are some I know, and you're thinking to yourself, like, Scott, that sounds great, but I've got too much debt. I'm too great a sinner. I've done too much wrong, or I've done this one really, really, really bad thing in my life. Or maybe you're not even thinking about yourself. Maybe you have the kind of perception in your mind kind of subconsciously of when you see a certain kind of person walk through these doors and sit in these seats, you say to yourself, ooh, I don't know if I want that kind of person coming to this church. I don't know if I'm really comfortable with seeing a person that clearly doesn't have their life together here. Oh, no. You see, the problem with that kind of thought is that God's not interested in saving little sinners. He wants to save big ones. To say that your sin is too great to be forgiven by God is like you saying, I am too sick to go to the doctor. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Because the more sick you are, the more your doctor wants to see you. The more your doctor wants to help you. I want to point something out to you from the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And so if if you want to turn there, feel free to. You don't have to, though. Ephesians chapter 2 is one of those passages that is quoted often, preached on often. But there's a little thing in in, uh, chapter 2, verse 7, that I think sometimes we miss. I'm going to start in verse 4. It says this, but God being what? Being rich in mercy. He has a lot of it. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And remember, verse seven is what I want you to see today. Verse seven, so that, why has he done this? Why has he shown us this grace? Why has he seated us in the heavenly places with Christ? In verse seven, he says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why does God offer you mercy? Why does he offer to pay the biggest debts? Why is that what he's interested in doing? Because it makes him look good. Because it makes him look great. It makes him look glorious. It shows off his wealth to the world. You see, he doesn't want to pay off your little debts. He's not interested in you if you say, I'm just kind of a sinner and I kind of need a savior. No, he's interested in those that bow before him and say, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you because it is that person that gives glory to God. That's the one who God wants to save. And so if you have a lot of sin, you are in the right place. If you know people in your life that have a lot of sin and a lot of brokenness, that is exactly the person God wants you to be around because you are the one that has the grace to take it to them. That's the kind of person that gives glory to Christ when he saves them. And so if that's you, oh man, God wants to save you. He does. And you might be thinking to yourself, you know, Scott, this all sounds really great, but it kind of sounds too good to be true. 
Really? All of my sin? Really? Full forgiveness? Really? Completely ransomed and free? Yes. But there is a catch. There's always a catch. You ladies know when you find a coupon, right, that that sounds way too good to be true, it often is, right? There's a catch to that coupon. It might be for everything that you can fit in your cart is for free, but there is an expiration date. It's not just that we stand before God as debtors. We are running out of time. There's not a lot of time left. The debtor who is being taken with his accuser to the magistrate has only a short while to beg and to plead with the one whom he owes the money to please forgive my debt. I don't know what it is like, God, or, you know, maybe if you give me six more months to pay my debt, if you give me, you know, a payment plan that I can follow, or if you can just reduce it by half, I have half of it that I can give to you now and I can come up with the rest of the half. You would be doing everything you could to beg and to plead with the one whom you owed money to, to settle your debt. But if you waste your time, if you wait until later, if you let all the questions heap up and not go answered and not seek the truth for all this time, you will find yourself one day before the judge. And when that happens, your time's up. It's up. Your life is a lot shorter than what you think. It's a lot shorter than what you think. I've been reading in the book of 2 Peter chapter three, and some of you will be familiar with this. It says this, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Like a thief. When do you expect a thief to come? When does a thief ever announce and knock on your door, say, hey, I'm gonna rob you tonight? He doesn't. He'll come like a thief at a time when you least expect it, and you are running out of time I have a friend who uh, has this daily reminder that pops up on his phone. So I don't know how, how many of you in here are like that attached to your phones to where like you, you use it for your calendar, you use it for reminders, you jot notes down and stuff like that. But he has it scheduled where this daily reminder goes off in his phone. It's called the daily death reminder. And it's just a reminder that goes off every day. And all it says is, you are going to die someday. So every day, you're gonna die someday. You're gonna die someday. You're gonna die someday. You're gonna die someday. Because it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in our lives and what we have here and what we have now to forget one day I'm gonna die and not only am I gonna die, I'm going to stand before a righteous judge completely bankrupt. You're gonna die someday. I am not one for emotional manipulation. I'm not trying to manipulate you. But I really do think this is what Jesus is trying to tell us in this passage. We stand before him as debtors and we are running out of time. You are not guaranteed another year. You're not guaranteed another week. You're not guaranteed another day. You are not guaranteed to make it home today. I want you to understand something. 
walking out of this building, not knowing where you stand in light of eternity with God is not acceptable. It's not. You really need to talk to somebody before you leave today. I don't care. Come talk to me. Talk to Pastor Tim. Talk to anybody here. Talk to the person that brought you here. Just lean over to the person in the next aisle or the next row and say, hey, can I talk to you? I just don't know what would happen to me if I stood before God today. Leaving here, not knowing where you stand before God is not an option because you are running out of time. If this broadcast has affected your life today, or if you have any questions about anything that you have heard, please feel free to write us at info at mmbconline.org or like and comment on our Facebook page. This has been Together in Christ, radio ministry of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. Have a blessed day.